source of every supply. It's not like we're in the Western Hemisphere and Jesus is somewhere in the Eastern Hemisphere or we're on earth and he's in heaven. When you're a giver, it puts you in the same atmosphere, in the same place as Jesus. That word means to show honor. It says in 1 Peter to give your wives honor so that your prayers will not be hindered. That word give is the same word and it means to designate. It means to intentionally give something to someone. It means uh, Jesus I am aware of you, and I give you 10%. It means a calculated decision to honor Jesus with 10%. It's the treasure that's given to him. Someone once said, give your best to the world, and the best will be given back. We make a living by what we get, but we make a life out of by what we give. But listen to what somebody wrote. This is interesting. You need to get God off of your charity list and put him on your payroll. You need to get God off of your charity list and put him on your payroll. Now, we're going to pray. We thank God for each and every one. But some gave one time last year. It was in February. Some just gave once, and that was it. And yet, we've given to them. I want you to search your hearts and understand, if I'm in the situation I am, is it because I'm robbing God? We're not trying to, to, to... get you to give not from your heart but we're trying to have you see that honor God with your substance the days we live in we have to know that we're living in the right hemisphere with God we're in the right place with God and we want to thank you for your giving souls were saved this last year every week and then around the world the missionaries the missions the church the orphans the feeding programs all of this was because of you and so as we get ready to pray for your giving records would you raise your hand And would you just, let's come in agreement that each and every one, that Father, we come before you according to your word, that you said in Malachi 3.10, that you would rebuke the devourer for these sakes. Lord, we thank you for each and every one of these who give. We thank you all, each one of these who have sacrificed, each one of these who have put you first and who have honored you in the first fruits. Lord, we pray for every alms giving, every special donation. We pray for each and every one who gave by faith and who sacrificed and those who did not. Lord, we pray blessings upon them. And Lord, no matter what the circumstances of the natural are, we pray that they abound. They superabound in everything that you've provided. Lord, even this year, we start this year off, Lord, just dedicating everything that has to do with our lives to you. And Lord God, you spoke about our finances over 70% of the word. Because, Lord, that shows how much we are aware. And, Lord, if we, if we give you our tithe, it shows we honor you. So, Father, we just pray that this year our giving to missions and our giving to the poor will increase. Our getting out of debt and paying the things we need to pay will increase. Lord, being able to do and have will increase. Thank you, Lord, there's not one sick or feeble or needy among us. And we pray the anointing and the blessing upon all these families and homes, businesses and jobs. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Let's give the Lord praise. Hallelujah. Ushers, would you come forward? We'll receive tomorrow's offerings and tithe. We love you. We bless you. We get ready to pick up our offerings and tithe. You have the envelopes in front of you for cash giving. If not, you can write out your checks, word of grace, W-O-G. We love you. The Lord bless you. In Jesus' name, amen.
name is Jesus. Come on and give Jesus praise. Hallelujah. Glory be to God. Glory be to God. Something happened. The Lord visited me. She gave me something when we were in Florida with Cody for uh, Christmas. And one of the words he gave me was this word envision. And I looked it up and it means to imagine as the future. It means to visualize. It means to foresee, to anticipate, to expect, to mean. And for all you artists, it means to paint. It means to picture, to conceive, and listen to this, to dream of, to think of, and to see. There's something that the Lord wants to start this morning. I want to welcome everyone from internet, even some new friends who are watching us. We want to welcome you today. But when I was in Florida, something started coming alive, and it's been stirring with me about the throne. And this word envision has to do a lot with why there's a passion for writing new songs. We have a lot of our worship team right now. They're getting together, and they're just working on new music, and, and because the Lord wants to bring forth a new sound. The Bible speaks that the waters come from underneath the throne of God, the throne of Jesus. It speaks about the throne 17 times in the book of Revelation. There's something about the waters that come out from the throne that speaks of the acoustics of heaven. And we'll get more into the sound and the acoustics of heaven. But there is a sound. And, and as the Lord was dealing with me about this message, I started remembering that we were with Brother Chuck and some prophets back in, uh, at LSU back in July. And he said that he saw the whole state of Louisiana, but he saw that the glory was over the central part of Louisiana. And there had to be a sound that was going to come from central Louisiana, connect with Monroe, connect with Shreveport, but there was going to be a new sound that it would combine with in Baton Rouge, and it would go into the New Orleans and the southern part of Louisiana and drive back the darkness back into the sea. And I, I heard the word. He gave it to me. He had me pray over the state of Louisiana, but I didn't connect it with what God was stirring on the inside of me. And I found this quote by somebody that said, when the church ceases to be in touch with another world, it's no longer in touch with this world. And it just got me that word and vision about picturing, painting, singing, about God bringing the arts together, God bringing the different ministries and the anointings. But more than that, putting a passion to be the, a chosen one, not just a one, not just a called one, but a chosen one who would be able to receive a revelation of Jesus Christ from Jesus Christ. One of the things I share when I do a funeral is this poem called Heaven. And it goes, think of or envision. Stepping on shore and finding it's heaven. Of taking hold of a hand and finding it's God's hand. Of breathing new air and finding it's celestial air. Of feeling invigorated and finding it's immortality. Of passing from storm to tempest into unknown calm. Of waking up and finding it home. So God is raising up a passion. That's one of the things I want to share with you today as we get into this in Revelation chapter 1, verse 1 and 3. I want you to see it says, the revelation of Jesus Christ. I mean, right there, I want you to see something. And I want to bring something to your attention right now. I know you have books and tapes and you have heard all the different teachings, different type of teachings from the book of Revelation. I want you to see that it says, this is a revelation of Jesus Christ, which God gave him to show his servants things which will shortly take place. And he sent and signified it by his angel to his servant, John, who bore witness to the word of God and to the testimony of Jesus Christ to all things that he saw. Verse three, look at this. Blessed is he who reads and those who hear the words of this prophecy, and keep those things which are written in it, for the time is near. One of the things I want to share with you that's going to happen this morning here and by internet is that the word says, blessed are those who hear, not blessed are those who understand. Everybody's trying to understand the end times, and many times we go into everything we can to try to describe and understand what the book of Revelation was trying to reveal. But I want you to see what we're going to see through the book of Revelation, that it is exactly as it starts off saying, the book of Revelation is a revelation of Jesus Christ. It's how the worship is to be done. It's how we're to be exemplifying and entering to the worship here on earth. It's how the worship is in heaven. That's how he desires his worship here on earth, not only in the corporate church, 
church, in the ecclesia, he desires that this type of worship is being done in our homes, in our cars, while we're taking a shower, while we're going to work. There is something new that God wants to give into the heart of revelation. And it says here, and he sent it and signified it by his angel. I looked up that word signified, and guess what it means? It means it came as a sound. There is a sound. And all through revelation, there is a sound. All from the beginning of time, there has been a sound. When the earth was without form and everything was covered with darkness, the voice of God came forth over the waters and the earth and the water was separated. Everything that was made was made by the voice or the sound of God. The voice, God thought it, Jesus spoke it, and the Holy Spirit did it. And the Trinity is still working and operating in that way today. There was a sound when they brought the ark into the camp of Israelites. And the Israelites became so excited that they shouted that the ground shook, that the Philistines could able to hear and feel the grand shake even where they were standing and they shouted the God of Israel has come within their camp there's something about a sound that scares the enemy there was a sound that when they donated dedicated Solomon's temple that they shouted so loud and so hard that the ground shook and they could hear their shouts from miles away there was a dedication in the day of Nehemiah and the scribe Ezra that was so loud and so strong that the ground shook and the people wailed for joy and the old people wailed for crying because they remember the former glory but the young people were looking forward to the gold glory that was coming but I tell you in the book of Acts and there was only two people that were locked up in a prison and it says at midnight there was a sound that came out of these two wounded men there was a sound that came out that combined it with the sound of heaven that anything in the natural that was holding them or trying to bring them down or anything that had licensed their death sentence there was a sound that came forth that caused the prison to shake the shackles to come off the bondages to come off and there's a sound within the sight of you and I there's a sound inside of us that the Holy Spirit wants to unloose inside of us there is a song there's a sound there's a note there's a poem there's a prayer there's intercession there's a shout there's something on the inside of us that wants to come forth to break the bondages and set the captives free what John got his servant John Listen, this is something that's going to go to each and every one of us here this morning. Before I get into the thrones and I get into the vials and I get into the base, base, bases and I get into all the things that it says about Jesus that we have to understand now. One thing we do have to understand, this revelation was given to John and it was given to David and it was given to Abraham. Revelation of Jesus Christ was given, but it wasn't given to everyone. It was given to a chosen few. And I want to show you that the Lord is wanting to have a revelation, you a revelation, but it has to be with those who have a passion for walking with Jesus. You have to have a passion of walking with Jesus. I want you to see this next scripture in Hebrews chapter 13, 7, 8. Look what it says here. Remember your leaders. This morning I want you to remember John. This is going to be a biography about John. Remember John who taught you the word of God. Think of all the good that has come from their lives and follow their example of their faith. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And how many times have we heard that shouted out? Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. He is. He is the first and the last. But there's something very interesting that when you put it in context, listen to me this morning. Jesus Christ, the Godhead, the Trinity, they're the same yesterday, today, and forever, but they are the same in showing themselves faithful and revealing revelation to those who follow the example of those who's received the revelation. The same God who revealed himself to Abraham is the same God who wants to reveal things to you, but he will only reveal those who walk as Abraham walked. The same God who revealed himself, the same Jesus who revealed himself to John is the same Jesus of yesterday, today, who wants to reveal himself to you today and forever. But it is a revelation given those who walk as John walked. There may not be a reward of divine revelation walking as I walk. But there is a reward for those, it's in the word, who follow their example and walk faithfully 
as they walked and lived lives like they lived to reap the revelation they got. You may be here today, you may be saying, you may be feeling, my parents came from the denomination that I left and here I am today in a non-denominational church. You may feel this way, you may feel, I feel like I've betrayed my denomination. Listen, there is one kingdom and one name. I want to release you. The Holy Spirit spoke to me this, spoke this to me this morning. I want to release you from any guilt or bondage that you betrayed your father's church or your mother's denomination or your denomination. People come here and people go. People come, people stay. If you left your denomination, it wasn't betrayal. It's because you're on a journey and you said yourself, I'm hungry and I have to have something more. That's not betrayal. That's the journey of faith. Abraham, Joseph, they all had to get up from where they were, leave fathers and family and lands and homes and go into a new realm to get the new revelation. I want to free you from that because you have to understand this is talking about there's all good that comes into our lives but we have to walk as we see that we need to be to receive this revelation. We get what they got by being as they were. Isaiah said, and John knew this, Isaiah said he existed eternally, talking about Jesus. Without beginning or end, he sent He sat into the heavenlies and there he was worshipped by angels day and night. And he cried out, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. And I want you to see what John says in John chapter 12, 40 and 41. This is what John says. Listen, there was something different about the letter of John than all other books. Their eyes are blinded. Their hearts are hardened. So they wouldn't see with their eyes and perceive with their hearts. And turn to me, God, so I could heal them. Isaiah said these things, listen, Isaiah said these things after he got a glimpse of God's cascading brightness that would pour through the Messiah. I love that. There's the waters, the waterfalls of the glory and the revelation of Jesus Christ. Have you ever stood behind a waterfall? You're completely covered by, nobody can see you there because there's just a continual flow of fresh living water flowing in front of you. And that's what it's saying, the cascading glory of God. I want to talk just a few minutes about John. Many people saw that Jesus was born in Bethlehem and we just celebrated he was born in Bethlehem. He was born in a stable and all these other things. The difference about John and the difference that will make us different than just a normal Christian is that many people saw the miracles, the signs, and the wonders, John always saw the heart of God in Jesus. Now, I want to say something that that I believe can free you. Also, please listen to this. John did not judge Jesus by how, who, and how his disciples behaved. John followed Jesus and believed in Jesus because John saw the heart of God. We go to churches and we go, well, you see who's there? You see who's in that church? You see who's going to that church? I know what type of person that person is. Do you see who's on staff? Do you see how this, do you see how that? John could have judged Jesus by choosing Peter and Judas and a few others. But John's relationship with the Lord had nothing to do with people who followed Jesus. It had everything to do with God in Jesus' heart. John saw the heart of God and it took him for life. It took him for life. And for us to receive and see the veil ripped and the glory of God revealed in Jesus Christ. It's going to go on beyond looking at the, just at miracles and signs and wonders and who's, who's who and who's what and what title. Titles don't matter in the revelation of Jesus Christ. 
A name of denomination doesn't matter in the glory of God. It's all Jesus. In the center of glory, there's one throne. And Jesus is upon that throne. And Jesus pulls, who he is, pulls the elders, the angels, the animals, the saints. Everything is around the throne. He is the center of all things. He said in his word that if I will be the center, if I be lifted up, I will draw everything, human, not human, angelic, whatever, I will pull it to me because he is to be the center of all things. And for us to follow and know the heart of God, we've got to get a hold of the heart of God as John got a hold of it. And when we get a hold of the heart of God, we we will see the revelation that John saw. He was picked. Now I want to share with you. I had the honor in 12 years of school to three times be a teacher's pet. Three times. It's probably because they felt sorry for me. But you know what? In 6th, 7th, and 8th grade, I was a teacher's pet. And I remember in 7th grade, I was the uh, reading teacher's pet. And my English teacher was mean. Not that there's any mean teachers in here, but she was mean. And she gave me a bad grade. Not a bad grade, but it was an average grade. And when my reading teacher saw that grade, she went and got my English teacher in the hall and had it out with her. And I got a new grade. In sixth grade, I was the music teacher's pet. I learned an instrument in three months, and she wrote my name on the board, and she went over for the school book, and she wanted to put me as the most advanced student. And we were playing uh, when Johnny comes marching home. And I was playing that in band, and she comes stood behind me. And when I got through, she kissed me on both cheeks and hugged me and said, I'm so proud of you. I knew what it felt like in class. No matter what I felt like out of class, no matter what I was in anybody else's class, I knew what I was in their class. And Peter was known as the big mouth. And Judas was known as the thief. But John says, I was known as daddy's favorite. I was disciple. That Jesus loved. And I want to share with you about John's life. That he got something that the, nobody else got. Why? Because he was a favorite and he was chosen. But I want you to see that he taught. That anybody who wants to get where he got can get what he got. It's not just for a chosen few. Many are called but few are chosen. So I want to look at John's life here, the disciple that Jesus loved. Because if we're going to see revelation, we've got to see John. John heard his teachings from the very mouth of Jesus Christ. They were best friends. Some believed in Jesus, some trusted in Jesus, but John loved Jesus. To him, to lose everything was nothing to give to Jesus. John wrote five books in the Bible and they were all about love. Paul says, you can give your body to be burned. You can give all your goods away to the poor. But without love, you're nothing. Jesus was in the inner circle. He was on the Mount of Transfiguration when he saw the glory of God come down. And there they were, uh, the three disciple, main disciples with Jesus. And here comes Moses and Elijah starts talking about, talking about the future to Jesus. And what does Peter do? Peter just starts talking. Peter says, let's build three tabernacles. What Peter wanted to do, he wanted to build three houses and stay on the mountaintop for the rest of his life with Moses, Elijah, and Jesus. Who wouldn't? But look at the difference between Peter and John. Peter wanted to build. John just stood there and took it all in. He just took it all in. There's something about people who always want to move and people who can learn to be still in the presence of God and know that he's God. There's something about taking in what you're reading, taking in what you're hearing, taking in what you're trusting. Take, there's something about just absorbing what God is trying to show you. And John would receive it 
And then later on, John would teach it. It says in 1 John chapter 1, verses 1 and 4, this is what John says. We proclaim to you the one who existed from the beginning, whom we have heard and seen. We saw him with our own eyes and touched him with our own hands. He is the word of life. This one who is life itself was revealed to us and we have seen him. And now we testify and proclaim you to you that he is the one who is eternal life. He was with the father and then he was revealed to us. Here's that word revelation for the third time. Look what he says. We proclaim to you that we ourselves have actually seen and heard so that you, listen, so that you may have fellowship with us and our fellowship is with the Father and with His Son, Jesus Christ. We are writing these things that you may fully share our joy. Or in other words, if you want to, you can be a chosen one too. You can be one who just doesn't write a good song, but that song that touches God and causes God to come into the building and into our lives and into sickness and into the home, into disease, into brokenness, into whatever needs you have. He is the one who wants to be fully revealed in the right music and the tone from people who are passionate and want to see Jesus revealed to themselves, but also to those they're ministering to. It's about being passionate, not about how many numbers we can gather together, but how many are really being impacted and are coming to know and have a revelation of who Jesus truly is. At the Lord's table, at the last communion, Jesus said, someone is surely going to betray me. They looked at John like, John, you're in there. Ask him who it is. John sitting next to Jesus. Where? Sitting next to Jesus. The right hand, place of friendship. John leans upon Jesus' chest, but not out of curiosity, out of pain. He says, Jesus, who is it? Is it I? First thing he said, is it I? Who could betray you? Who could betray you? Who could betray themselves? Who could betray themselves to be able to even betray God's heart manifested? Who? John was with the three that went to the garden and saw Jesus agonize. John followed Jesus from trial to trial. John heard the false lies, he saw the arrest, he saw the beating. John witnessed all that. He saw the whipping. He saw Jesus carrying the cross. He saw his Jesus stripped naked and nailed. He saw the king of glory, God, crucified, humiliated, and mocked. He saw the crown of thorns on his head. He saw Barabbas being let free as they placed the crown upon Jesus' head and said, crucify him. He was in the crowd hollering to free Jesus when they were out shouting him to crucify him. John saw the execution of God. It says at the cross, John was at the feet of the cross with Mary. John saw all of redemption expressed before, at, and after the cross. John saw Jesus struggle for his breath to breathe. While John was comforting Mary. I want you to think about this, mamas. I've been with many of you. Can you imagine being in the ER with your child? And you're laying in your child has 106 fever. And he's having seizures. And you're begging the doctors and the nurses to attend him. Can you imagine what Mary was going through? It would be like you having your child in the ER and the nurses and the doctors are saying, just let him die with your child. And John was in a place where not only was he himself falling apart because the love of his life was, was, was being so cruelly beaten and he's dying right there in front of him. Not only was John having to hold himself together, he was having to hold Mary 
and try to comfort this mother at the foot of her child. John was there. He said, I was a witness to it all. I was a witness when Jesus would have to pull himself upon the nails to holler, Father, Father, forgive them for they don't know what they do. John was trying to hold himself together and hold Mary together. You know what it's like at funerals? He's trying to hold it together. And all of a sudden, Jesus calls him and says, John, you're my best friend. You're the only one I can give my mother to and know she'd be taken care of. I can only give my mother to someone I can trust. And John, I can trust you. And then he says, Mary, I want you to love John like a son. Take care of my mom. And then John saw something. He saw the agony and the darkness cover the earth when Jesus started crying out in agony. Because John saw his sins and your sins because he preached it. He saw your sins come upon Jesus at a moment. And the complete unity between the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit for the first time in eternity was totally divided. And the Father turned his back upon the Son and John saw it. John stood there holding Mary as he saw the Son of God be abandoned for taking his and our sins upon himself. John saw that. Jesus hears it all. John hears it all, past, present, and future. He sees the fellowship broken. He sees God's head drop in death. He sees the body brought down. He sees a hundred pounds of fragrances and ointments and oils put upon Jesus' body. And then John is in the funeral procession. And my mind stopped the uh, funeral procession because Daryl, Daryl, I thought about crop. The funeral procession when the motorcycles are taken off and people are in the funeral procession. Especially with crop, you see all kind of things in the funeral procession. All shapes and sizes and noises on the motorcycles. I started thinking about the funeral procession of Jesus Christ. Wasn't a whole lot of disciples there. But to all the funerals I've been to, I know who was there. It was a bunch of Samaritans. And in the funeral procession, there were some people walking who had never walked until Jesus healed them. In the funeral procession, walking behind the body of Christ, there were some lepers who had cleansed their now or made whole. They're walking along with them. There were some blind who could never see before Jesus touched them and now they can see. And they're all going and they're all going to the tomb and they're burying the body of Christ. And they rolled the stone, they sealed it and they put guards and John went back broken. He's dead. But then Mary came with the news and says, he's not dead, come. His body's gone. And the Bible says that it was, who was first? John was the first to reach the tomb, go inside, grab the empty grave clothes and shout out, he's alive. It was John. During the next years of John, he lived through two, he lived through Nero and two of the worst times of martyrdom that ever were. John would walk down the roads of Jerusalem and see Jews and Christians crucified on the crosses. He saw Christians cut asunder. He saw Christian women who were raped time and time again by the soldiers and then they were dismembered by the swords of the soldiers and, and, but left barely alive to better announce Christ and if they didn't then they would finish killing them after they were dismembered. He heard as one and of the apostles after another would come and they would say, did you hear Peter was crucified upside down? Did you hear Stephen was uh, speared to death in India? Did you hear Mark was thrown off the building and beat to death by rods? One by one, he kept hearing of the different ones who were killed and martyred. Paul's head was cut off. He heard of the different ones. They tried to kill him, but let me tell you something. They put John in boiling oil trying to boil him to death, but you know what? John wouldn't die. They couldn't kill John, so they took John to the Isle of Patmos where he received this revelation. And you know what John did? John stayed in the spirit, and John kept on preaching even to the prisoner there on the Isle of Patmos. While he was on the Isle of Patmos, Jesus was with him on the Isle of Patmos. 
John was rescued and brought back to Ephesus where he continued taking care of Mary till she died and buried her in Ephesus. Then he lived, listen to this, according to most books, John lived to 100 years old. But he was too old to walk. The young men would pick him up and carry him from the front of the church to the platform and sit him down. And then they would sit down because he was sitting down. And they would sing and listen to the word taught sitting down because he was sitting down. But they would listen to him. And he taught the word of God till he died at 100 years old. We read that it says, even John wrote, Hebrews wrote, follow them by their faithfulness received the one who is the same yesterday, today, and forever. If you're hearing me this morning, I'm not talking about just being born again and going to church when it's good or not. I'm talking about someone who is sold out 24 hours a day, seven days a week for the rest of their lives. The revelation of Jesus Christ. John wrote, greater love has no one than this than to lay down one's life for his friends. John wrote that. If you listen to 1st, 2nd, and 3rd John, that's how John, would talk, that how, that's how John taught till he was 100 years old. My dearly beloved children who I love. He was not just a caretaker of Mary. He was the love and pastor of the church of Jesus Christ. The Holy Spirit wants to inspire you as John was inspired. Revelation, illumination, understanding, transformation, when we behold him, that's where true worship comes. The word worship means worthship. It means devotion, affection. He who is worthy of your devotion and affection. It means I have found something worth my devotion that I will devote myself to. Now I want to end with these points because I want to show you the book of Revelation is a book of worship. The revelation of Jesus Christ. I had some examples here, but I just want to share one not long ago. You know, we, we, we marry, we marry uh, people all the time. And one of the things that happened is, what I was thinking about was when the bride is coming down, she's veiled. And she's veiled and everybody stands. A lot of people admire the dress and everything. But there's something impacting that happens when the father stops before he gives the bride away. And I say, who gives this bride away in marriage? And he says, her mother and I do. The father unveils his daughter. And for the first time, you can see her face. The groom, he sees her face clearly. The whole auditorium sees her face clearly because the father unveils her. Then he gives her a kiss and he places her hand into the hand of her man who is soon to be her husband. And they walk together and they are married. It's beautiful, but it gets to the point where when she becomes unveiled that now the husband can truly enjoy everything that she has seen. The revelation of Jesus Christ is the father unveiling the face of his son to reveal it to you and I who he gave his life to. Will you take my son in marriage? Will you promise to love him and honor him and cherish him and adore him and live worthy of him for the rest of your life? When you say you want to be born again, this is my son. Do you truly swear to honor him and love him and adore him and put him first before all things? This is my son. And so many times the church is like the world. When we're tired of it, we divorce it. We put it away. We cheat on it. But when we became born again, we became one with the King of kings and the Lord of lords. He was unveiled for us to receive him as everything. <laughs> this is my son. The revelation of Jesus Christ. Everything is about Jesus, the object of our salvation. And here it says, how blessed is the reader, you today. How blessed the hearers and the keepers of the oracle words. All the words written in this book 
time is just about up. You're blessed just for hearing it. You don't have to understand it. You don't have to know who the whore of Babylon is. You already know enough whores. You don't have to interpret who belongs to which of the seven churches. You know we got a little bit of all seven in every one of us. What we have to do, the book of Revelation has been taught for thousands of years and it hasn't perfected the church yet because we're trying to figure out instead of just worshiping Jesus. John is saying, it's not the interpretation that's going to get you to heaven. It's knowing Jesus, that he's on the throne and seeing him on the throne, that's going to get you running the race. That's what kept me alive and that's what's going to keep you alive. That's what it's about. Jesus is the one who was and who is and is to come. He's the central work of the throne. And I want to finish with this part here. John. I want to be like John. To the seven churches which are Asia and Greece, to you, peace to him who was, who is, and is to come. From the seven spirits, car before the throne, from Jesus Christ, the faithful witness, the firstborn of the dead. Let me just go to the point. Take the book of Revelation because it says, listen, we read, it says you're blessed if you read it and you're blessed if you hear it. Can I tell you something? I'm going to give you just a few points from from, from these two scriptures. That if you read it, sing it, pray it, every day you will be blessed every day because you read it I gave it to you twice today you're blessed if you hear it and you read it it doesn't say nothing about understanding it just read it you want to start your day off right Revelations chapter 1 you say I don't understand Revelations here let me give you something to understand number one it says I worship you because you are the faithful witness right there father I worship you because you will not lead me astray I worship you because you are truth I worship you because your word is truth. Listen, I believe the word. I even believe the maps. (laughs) I believe the table of continents. (laughs) Yeah, I believe everything. Now you see why my English teacher had to get fight with my reading teacher? (laughs) But I believe everything about you. You're the faithful witness. When the enemy's accusing me of anything and everything, you are a faithful witness that says, no, this is my son. I have redeemed him. His name is the Lamb's Book of Life and he is saved and he is born again. You are the faithful witness. I worship you because you are the first born among the dead. Just the first definition of that. The firstborn, everybody knows the firstborn received the inheritance. But do you know why they received, I always hear that, but do you know why they received the inheritance? To take care of the rest of the kids. The firstborn received all the inheritance because the firstborn knew they had to keep care of all the kids. Well, guess what? Jesus is the firstborn who rose from the dead. That means he is the faithful witness that you and I, when that trumpet sounds, we're going to raise rise from the dead. And he promised he's going to take care of us. Jesus is my older brother and my savior. The next one. I worship you because you're the ruler of all the kings of the earth. The Bible says he is desire of all the nations. But you know what? They just don't know it yet. They don't know that. They don't know how wonderful a savior and a lord he is. It seems like America's losing more more and more desire for Jesus. The church is losing more and more desire for Jesus. But there are some faithful ones here today, this morning, I know. That the desire for Jesus in some hearts may grow cold, but I know in your heart it's growing hotter by the moment. 
And I know that there is a sound and I know there's a song and I know there's a word that is burning within the hearts and the souls of people here that's going to rise in this hour that's going to ignite something inside of you is never going to let you go, never let you go, never let you lose, never let you down. I worship you because you're the ruler of all the kings of the earth and I know on that day every knee shall bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. I worship you to him who loves me. He loves me personally. He took away every wall of my sins and he transforms my life. He provided everything because he loves me and who freed us. I worship you for your blood. They say there's a river in heaven. Everyone who goes there always says there's a river in heaven. There's nothing but blood and it's dirty blood. It's the blood of Jesus, but it's dirty because it took the filth and the sin, the contamination that was ours. And it was buried under the blood forever and ever. I worship you because of the blood. You took my place. You took my penalty. You suffered in my place. We worship you for who you are. He has made us to be a kingdom of priests to serve his God and Father. In other words, we are a king unto the Lord, which means that we want to walk and rule in authority, but also means we're a priest. A priest means to be a bridge. In other words, we bring other people to Christ and show them how wonderful and how awesome he is. To him be glory and power forever. I worship you for your, in your glory, for the power that any type of addiction, any type of stronghold can be broken to the power of the Spirit and just seeing the glory of God. That's why we worship Jesus. Somebody shout out. Amen. That little word right there. Amen. It means I agree. It means that's where I am. It means I cast my vote. It means I'm on his team. When you say amen, you say, and I agree. And if you just read chapter one alone, the word amen is written time and time again. I can't even imagine how many of you were shouting for the game yesterday. By Facebook, everybody was shouting about the game. But in church, I don't hear much amens. If you amen more during the worship, they'd worship harder. If you amen more during the preaching, I'd preach harder. I used to jump off of this thing and try to jump on the front row. I used to. But I got more amens then. The fire of God. They leave here. But we just don't get fed. No, you don't seek God. You get fed here. You just don't personally spend time with Jesus like John and Russell Cobb does. got to blame it on somebody there's nobody to blame the Holy Spirit is present to perfect you to equip you to bring you into glory you need to shout amen you need to shout amen I know you may say you know we don't do that where I come from where you're not there anymore so shout amen I dare you to go to heaven. Go ahead, give the Lord praise. I, I dare you to go to heaven. And the curtain opens up. And out walks Jesus. And I dare you to look like you look in here when he's talking. I dare you. I hope he gives me a seat on the stage just to see how he's, what he's going to do. I, I want to see the angels that are going to take you out, take you out the gate. And I don't know what they're going to do, but... I know this is not a seeker friendly message and I know you're, you're saying it's late, it's time to finish. I'm not through. I'm not through. All that our Jesus did for us and how little, oh, how little we do for him. You got upset because I talked about 10% of your money. You got upset because the drums were a little loud this morning. You got upset because... The weather wasn't perfect and some of y'all watching by there, you stayed home because you didn't feel like getting out in this weather. Well, it's hot in hell. It is hot in hell. 
America's going to mature this year. I know they say by everything, it looks good. I'm going to tell you something. The just will walk by faith in 2011. And John is giving us right here. So I'll quit talking, but let me let John finish this up. And you can say amen to this. Behold, he's coming. Behold, he's coming. With clouds and every eye will see him. Amen. Even, though who, even those who pierced him. And all the tribes of the earth will mourn because of him. Even so. Even so. Even so. Even so. Even so. I am the Alpha and the Omega. The beginning and the end. Says the Lord. Who is? Who is? Who was? And is to come. The Almighty. Come on and stand up. The Almighty. The Almighty. The Almighty. The Almighty. The Almighty. Oh God, we pray. Holy Spirit, baptize us in fire and passion to worship you as you deserve, to walk before you as you desire, to please you as your heart yearns. We are called the bride. We are already married. It's just that it has fully been consumed. Oh God, we do desire to see the face of our Jesus and make you happy in our love and our devotion and sacrifice to make our husband Christ Jesus happy every head is bowed and every eye is closed and each one we search our hearts and we cry out to follow to yield and to be as Christ you here this morning and you do not belong to Jesus Christ you are not saved you know your life is not right with him would you please just raise your hand right there where you are and say today I want to give my life and my heart to Jesus Christ anyone at all God bless you ma'am God bless you ma'am God bless you oh God bless you anyone else here today you know you need to have get your life right with today is the day of salvation you don't want to leave here without giving your heart to Jesus because he loves you so much would you two come would y'all come and stand right here in front of me I'll have people here with you come anyone else here today you know you, you don't want to die in your sins and go to hell but I'm going to tell you something believer or non-believer you don't want to keep living in a backslidden state and if that's you you need to come up here and give your life to Christ right now he is worthy of our best you know where you're not where you're supposed to be spiritually I want you to raise your hand just raise your hand if you know you're not where God bless you 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 hands everywhere if you know God, God bless you just be honest with the Lord right now God bless you God bless you God bless you Spirit, we all need you. None of us are where we belong spiritually. Come, come, Spirit of the Bride. Come, Spirit of Truth. Come, Spirit of Love and Passion. We worship you for your glory, for your power, your love, your sacrifice. Come, 
you and your, every one of us in our place, just close your eyes and examine your hearts. Cry out to Jesus and these two right here. If you put your hands upon your heart, yeah, you, we can kneel. Put your hand upon your heart. And let's just pray to him right now. Dear Heavenly Father, pray this with me, young ladies. Dear Heavenly Father, through the door, Jesus, I come to you. And in your presence, I know I'm accepted. I believe in the sacrifice that Jesus made for me on the cross of Calvary. Lord Jesus, come into my heart and be my Lord and be my Savior. And I promise to live for you for the rest of my life and throughout eternity by your grace and my faith in you. Thank you, Jesus, for your blood that cleanses me and washes me from every sin and every stain. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. God bless you, my sisters. Bless you. Bless you, Jesus. Hallelujah. They're going to take your names and addresses. We welcome you. Listen, we love you. We bless you. Look, tonight, we're going to be back here at 6 o'clock. I'm sharing about the lamb and the dove. To hear the voice, you have to be the type of person that the dove can land upon. I'm going to be getting into the lamb and the dove attitude because this year we're going to walk as priests before God, our God. Church, I love you. I thank you for loving truth. I thank you for desiring to be real. And I thank you for desiring to be the church. I bless you and I love you in Jesus' name. Amen. If you were planning on uh, participating in the hospital outreach, we just want to let you know that that has been postponed to Tuesday. If you were going to be donating cookies, please bring them Tuesday, not tomorrow. Just wanted to let you know that. Let's pray as we close today. Father, we just thank you so much, Father, for your, your son, Jesus. And God, right now, we just acknowledge you this Lord over our life, ruler over our lives, over our hearts and our minds. So we give you our hearts, we give you our thoughts today. We just ask you to let this word sink in today, Father, for us to go into this new year, Lord God, with a right frame of mind and our hearts in the right place, Lord. Set on you. We set our faces flint today, Lord. We will not be moved and we will not be shaken by anything in the world. But Lord, we will only be moved by your voice. And by your direction and the leading of the Holy Spirit. So Holy Spirit, come into our lives and lead and guide us in what you would have us do as we live our lives out for you. In Jesus' name we pray. And everyone said, Amen.